What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number... We did not figure that out before we started rolling, so I don't know. <laughs> Uh, uh, 237. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 237 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Thursday, November 11th, 2021. Does it really matter anymore what fucking episode it is? Like, we've already hit 200. After that, I mean, it really doesn't matter until you hit 500. I think is it kind of like when it comes to your birthdays? Like, does it really matter? Yeah, pretty much after you your know. 25th birthday or, or, yeah, pretty much after like your, tw- well, 25 is a big one. I guess 30 is a big one. Uh, well, not as big because it's like, th- the thing about turning 30 is, is like you're still young and you pretty much look like you're in your 20s still at 30 for most people. Um, but 40 is, is definitely, uh, that's God. I remember as a kid, my family having my dad's 40th birthday party and it it was called, uh, the over the hill party. Oh yeah. And they bought them, they bought them all. I remember that. I remember being at a party from one of my relatives like that too. Yeah. They bought them all these gag gifts, like, you know, fake penis pills and like all this other shit that an old man would need. And, um, you know, now, now here I am sitting at 33 and I'm like, wow. Yes, seven years from now, that'll be me. Uh, Yep. Jesus Christ. You and me both. (laughs) I mean, as long as I've got something going on that I'm proud of at that point, that's like marginally successful, that's like, you know, I can make a living off of, I'll be perfectly happy with aging. Yeah. My whole problem is if I'm 40 and I still haven't accomplished like what my goals are, that would be depressing. But the 40 year old uh, version kind of thing. So, yeah. <laughs> no, not, not, not at all. In the no, least bit. I know, but I'm just saying it's the similar kind of thing because he had, didn't really accomplish much either. Yeah, but he was happy was though. To my knowledge, yeah. he seemed pretty content in that movie. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was like everyone else around him that. Oh, yeah. Everyone else around him was, was, they were the ones the who felt the need to pressure him into, uh, <laughs> You know, losing his virginity or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of For- fucked up if you think about it. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Speaking of uh, fucked up things, uh, I've been dealing with a lot of uh, fucked up shit at, at work lately. Uh, it's uh, at the fir- at my first job, you know, at Michael's, a craft store. Um, the past couple nights that I've closed, there's just been way too many shoplifters to the point where they're just, they're starting to get really aggressive. And there's one, one night it actually was pretty funny because this guy steals a cricket machine that has some like shirts in his arm. So he's got his arm full of stolen merchandise. It's about ready to head out the door. One of our managers is there standing there and he, tells her don't put your hands on me and then runs out into the parking lot the funny thing is that he was such a dumbass he left his phone behind oh my god (laughs) he left it on a shelf underneath product he was probably thinking about stealing later and i got it so i still don't know what happened because for the rest of that night uh, the phone was in the office and the phone kept ringing and the caller ID said wifey. So oh his wife God. was trying to get a hold of him, which, which I thought was just, I thought that was hilarious. He was caught on uh camera as well. Uh, an employee, uh, videotaped him with his, um, uh, videotaped is not the right word. I'm so used to, you know, watching on some Oh, they videotaped the suspect. Recorded with his uh, phone. Recorded, yeah, recorded with his phone. The guy walking out. So he had him on, on tape. Had, uh, pretty much had everything you need. And uh, if he did come back for his phone, like, he would have been screwed. But he didn't come back for his phone, as far as I know. And then the next night, it was just some really aggressive guy who was just bad news from the start. I I immediately saw him being a, a shoplifter. He had his hood up. He was he grabbed a cart. He was running around the store. 
Uh, he was um, on the phone with somebody. He got a Cricut machine. It's like $350, a heat press. What's a Cricut machine? Cricut machines, it's like a, it, it, it's a craft thing. They use it to make like uh, designs and stuff like that and uh, press them onto things oh. with like heat or cut things up and print them out. So that it, it's vinyl. It's, it's a lot of vinyl stuff and they're really expensive. And this was a heat press, and it was $350 retail. And he had some dinky pieces of wood in the cart, too. And he was immediately aggressive from the start. And one of our managers was standing at the door because, you know, we were really suspicious about this guy for a good reason. And he's just, just, he just starts getting in my face, and he's just like, why do they have people at the door? You know that that's that's just wrong, man. That's just fucked up. And I'm like, I, I I'm sorry, man. Like I'm not the one doing it. I, I'm sorry. And he's like, What do you mean you're sorry? You know, he's just getting really aggressive. And then he stops screwing with me and then goes to the door. And starts getting in the, the employee's face who was standing at the door, calls him a bitch, takes a piece of wood. It was just a small piece of wood, but it's still a piece of wood and throws it at him. Wow. And then, get, you know, gets out of the store. Probably, and probably, he was probably on meth. I don't know. He didn't look like he was on meth. He just was just a angry, just fucked up guy i mean maybe he was on meth i don't know but like and i just thought it was you know i guess it's just a combination of things because i haven't really had a lot of nights over there where it's been like constant like back to back this kind of bullshit so and especially when it gets to the point where the guy is essentially assaulting someone like like that's the point where i it really went into territory that I, I was not familiar with, let alone co- very comfortable with. And I think it just brought up some bad memories uh, for when it comes to uh, some of the things that I've dealt with in my life previously with like same aggressive kind of people. Mm. And so I had a, I actually did have a little bit of PTSD. I was surprised. It just kind of uh, shook me. And it didn't help either that later on that night, things didn't go that well because a guest came in. They had a bag full of uh, merchandise they wanted to hold behind the register, but they gave it to me from behind the register. Didn't let me know that there was pottery in it. And so when I set it down on the floor, because I didn't set it down super gently uh, because it was a little heavy, uh, the pottery broke. So then I have that going on. So... That 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 wasn't fun, but really the main thing was just the the guy who was just being aggressive and being an asshole. And then la- last uh, last night after I got done with my haircut and I was walking home, you know, I, I had one of these some guy driving down the road yelling some belligerent bullshit at me. Uh, I don't even know what the fuck he said to this day. Because it's one of those things where I think he was either so drunk or so high, like he couldn't even speak straight. But it's just a, it's just it's just a culmination of things where I'm just like I'm just tired of being shit on. Like leave me alone. Dude, it sounds like <laughs> you're you're like one step away from like becoming like uh, the Vindicator or some, some one of those like <laughs> low grade uh, like the Marvel Exterminator. Yeah, the like Exterminator. Marvel yeah. movie knockoffs. You know, like. <laughs> You're about to like fall into a vat of like r- radioactive waste or something. The toxic Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> you're just. You, you, it's like he he had enough of people's crap. It, like one day he couldn't take it anymore. Like <laughs> like, can I get a refund for this pottery? And then you just like grab her head and like rip it off her body. <laughs> refund denied. Refund this. <laughs> This um, summer, catch Mike Brown in refund this. 
the refunder. <laughs> the refunder, uh, yeah. <laughs> Damn, dude, it sounds like like everyone like there's is there like like a zombie outbreak going on up there in Washington? It sounds like everyone's know. acting very aggressively, which is yeah. the first step to becoming a zombie. Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. The guy in the car though uh because i didn't understand what he was saying it's like i'm, I'm sorry dude i don't speak dumbass <laughs> I, I don't i don't have my dumbass translator with me so i mean i don't even know what makes people do that kind of shit anyway like like why especially if you're a grown-ass man like, yeah what i was the fuck? i was gonna say i don't understand what makes grown-ass men do that shit i understand being like a teenager or a kid yeah. and, and being like like yelling at the window to strangers like we used to like my, me and my friends we used mm-hmm. to love to fuck with strangers in various ways we just thought it was funny at the time and then you know mm-hmm. when you grow up and you and you mature hopefully uh you realize that no you're just a jackass like it's it's there's yeah. nothing funny about it <laughs> So I don't know why, you know, I deal with this every fucking week with my job, obviously. I, I have to see all that crap. I mean, worst bar fight thing I saw was, um, I probably already talked about on the podcast, was um, yeah. the guy just laying the other guy out like yep. cold, just one punch yep. straight to the face. The guy falls back, hits his head on the ground, mm-hmm. bleeding. And then meanwhile, the security guard, who wasn't much of a security guard, didn't know how to handle conflict. So then... He just starts screaming at everyone to get out, and one of the patrons there, who's normally this nice, peaceful guy, the security guard just starts shoving him, specifically, for whatever reason, I don't know, and then the patron grabs a a pool ball from the pool table in his hand, he's like, you want to go? You want to (laughs) go? It was kind of hilarious. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Yeah, and it's just like, I'm like, dude, what the, what's this, like, roadhouse? Like, what the fuck is this? full-on bar fight shit going on right now there was almost a moment like that with that one guy at at michael's when he threw the piece of wood at the guy at at the employee because it was like it was almost like a point where they might fight well i mean that was definitely an act of uh provocation you know i mean he you know like he i like i I just love the bit where he's just like oh i what you think i can't afford this Nah, Jesus. Yeah, that's, that was the thing. Like, he said that, what, you think I can't afford this? You know, that's just fucked up, man. I got money. And then he just proves that he can't afford it by, you know, throwing such a massive fit and just being a douchebag later. It's like, oh, okay, clearly you can't afford it. <laughs> if you If you could, you would just pay for it. And move on. I don't quite understand because, like, I understand like uh, like various shoplifting strategies. Like, I get like the the thought process behind them. I've never understood the persecution complex strategy that some some yeah. shoplifters <laughs> use. Like, what you think I'm gonna steal? Like, that's fucked up, man. Like, when that's exactly what. Yeah. Like, like we both know that's exactly why you're here. Uh, and, and you know. And you're still gonna say some shit like that? Like I, I don't know why they think that that particular strategy is like gonna be effective in any way, shape, or form. It's like, I mean, it's like I don't know. Like I get, I get it if you're, I get it if you're not intending on shoplifting and you just happen to be dressed in a hoodie and you're walking through a store and people start following yeah. you around like that. Yeah. yeah, that's fucked up. You're literally making assumptions about people, but. You can just, man, when you work in retail long enough, you can just tell, man, like people who shoplift, they kind of like, they they move quickly. They're kind yes. of, you know, looking around. Like you can tell their antennas are up when they walk in. They're, you can tell they're being very perceptive of everything that's going on or around they, them. Or some of them, you know, I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but when you work in retail long <laughs> enough, you actually start doing that. And you, your hunches most of the time tend to be right. There are rare times when they're not, but it's better that you have a hunch like that than not, because otherwise, like you could have people just ripping you off, and then you you're really doing nothing about it. Um, because there's just a lot of people that they just look like people who are desperate and look like people who are sketchy or are probably on some kind of drugs have you ever had this tech this tactic that they use uh have you ever had the people who uh i don't know if there's a specific name for it but they used to do this all the time at cvs and you usually smell my away when they were uh trying this scam 
they um, fish around for a receipt for a receipt outside in the trash can because customers will oh. throw, throw their receipts away. Then what they do is they look at the receipt, and if if it's a you know decent score, they go in, they steal the product that's on the receipt, they walk out of the store. And then they come back later and they try to return it for cash. <laughs> now, we haven't had anything like that with receipts. What we have is people who have no receipt who come in and they take product off the shelf and then go in, in the line and then try to get a refund for product that they just took off the shelf. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, so we've had that, the and, board. and they give the excuses like, "Oh well, uh, it, it it's my my aunt's stuff." Uh-huh. Yeah, and, blah blah blah. You know, she told me to come in, and da 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 da. It's like, do you have a receipt? Uh, no. Uh, do you have a, a, a rewards membership with us? I'm like, no. And so that's when you call in the manager and and have them uh, try to handle the situation. Manage like their I had ass. one time where I got someone. Uh, essentially to just stop doing what they're doing and just give us our product back because they didn't want to really get in, in trouble. And then later on, the same uh, guest came back later, like a couple months later, and I was uh, at the register, and she specifically was like, uh, no, 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 I don't want him to help me. <laughs> I, I, You know, I need someone else to help me. <laughs> Not him. His bullshit meter is working too too well. <laughs> it's too highly functioning. I need someone who with who's a little duller. Yeah. It's being a bullshit meter is like apparently there was somebody over in in Washington who was working at Michael's. It was actually a manager who approved some over the phone gift card scam. It was just uh, like thousands of dollars or something in in over uh gift cards it was just like what the fuck are you doing like how much of a fucking moron do you have to be to actually fall for that shit and you're the manager like what the fuck i told you that one time about uh, i don't know if i did tell you this or not uh one of the managers of cvs seemed it seemed like a totally normal guy um just goes to show you, you can't judge. But dude, the amount of managers that stole from CVS who would go, who would end up getting fired, mm-hmm. it kind of blew my mind. Like, because you know, you you look at them like they're in this elevated position. Like, you know, they're not just the like a cashier or something like that. They actually worked. They either had a degree or they worked their way to a higher position in the company, and then they're gonna steal. But dude, it, it happened a lot. But this one manager that we had at CVS, he um. <clears throat> I think he, yeah, so he dressed up like a woman. He knew the code to get into the back storage area. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, he, he, he. That's insane. I mean, it's already off to a good start with the dressing up like a woman part. He knew the code to get into the back storage area. He went back there and hid until the store closed, and then he tried to break into the safe in the manager's office and got caught. And I'm like, I, when I tell you this guy seemed like, like, this guy was one of the more even keeled managers I had worked with. This was one of the more, like, the, the guy that I, one of the guys I didn't mind when he was the, you, uh-huh. know, you know, shift supervisors was his technical title. But, um, yeah, when I heard that, I was like, Jesus Christ, man. And then the other ones, it'd be stupid shit like, you know, one of the managers was like, you know, shoving cartons of cigarettes into his backpack and like just leaving with them and shit. And, <laughs> Yeah, it was just... but that other guy he went he uh he went the extra mile. Yeah, and he dressed in drag. You know what? Did he try? I wonder if he tried to do something when they caught him, or where he was like he was trying to act like he was someone else. Ah, never! I I am a woman. <laughs> I will not be treated this way. I don't know why I had to make him a Southern Belle, but there he is. Well, you're in Florida. So. Yeah, that's true. All right, um, so we're going to be a short one today because I have to go and uh, host the karaoke, and uh, you know our schedules aren't getting any less busier these days. So <laughs> unfortunately, you're going to get a little tiny nugget, and it's and that's after waiting two weeks too. I don't even know why you people still tune in anymore. Maybe one day our <laughs> schedules will open up again, and we'll be able to do longer podcasts. But um, 
I am doing a wedding Saturday, and then I got a wedding December 4th, and then after that, I'm not doing fucking weddings anymore, so that'll open up some stuff, hopefully. Um, yeah. I'm at least not doing <laughs> weddings. I'm not doing those weddings where I'm having to drive to Nantucket, you know, just to get, you know, and setting up my whole, every piece of equipment that I own just to get paid, you know, not nearly as much as I should be getting paid. So anyway, this is the case of uh, Robert Hamrick. Now, what's more fascinating about this story than the actual homicide itself is the fact that a gang of bikers were literally able to just overtake this this town. Yep. I feel like uh, one Rock guy... The Rock Creek Gang. Yeah, the one guy called it a village. <laughs> so, so, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess it just goes to show you wasn't really, you know, there wasn't a lot of, like, opposition because it's no. like, if you live in a town of uh, 50 people and, like, 15 of those people are, like, young and strong and, like, willing to fuck people up, then, yeah, the other 35 are probably just gonna, like, sit down and take it, but... Anyway, that's what happened in this case, apparently. And this rock- I, I mean, the, the Rock Creek gang did a lot of uh, shady stuff, and, and they definitely did flex their muscle. But I don't know, like, uh, for a name for a gang, it doesn't sound very intimidating, right? The Rock Creek gang? Sounds like a fucking so- Bob Ross painting or something. <laughs> it sounds like the name that a bunch of kids who are into, like, nature walks would come up with for their uh, their group. Yeah, but they still or, want they still want to sound like hard, so they throw gang at the end of it. <laughs> or or uh, or they're uh, inspired by the buttercream gang, which oh is my. actually that actually is a name of a movie. And there, I think there's like more than one. It was like you know one of those like friends uh, of the family, or, or you know those kind of like those movies back in the day. Like in the nineties and two thousands, that were like specifically made to teach lessons to kids. It was one of those movies. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, game. I'm sure I've seen those. <laughs> I just can't think of any off the top of my head. Just a reminder: make sure you guys stick around to the very end of the podcast to listen to my band Dancing with Ghosts' new song "Stainless Static" and "Piss Eggman Off." Anyway, so the, the, the details of this case are, um, in the late 1960s, a group of young men began terrorizing the quiet and peaceful community of Rock Creek, Ohio. According to former police chief Andrew Cedar of a neighboring town, Jefferson Village, they were involved in fights, they were involved in threats, they had the entire village under their thumb. When they spoke, the village pretty much listened. So yeah, he's calling it a fucking village. Uh, the town counted on sheriff's depart on the sheriff's department for protection, but they seemed unable to stop the crime wave. So the, ci- the citizens started their own police department. In July of 1969, Robert Hamrick was the third man in less than six months to take ch- uh, charge of the new police force. The other two had both left after receiving threats from the members of the Rock Creek gang, but his wife, Myrtle Hamrick, was confident her husband could clean up the town. He wanted it to be a nice, friendly town, and he wanted, you know, to get this gang off the streets so that people wouldn't have to be afraid of them. So funny, man. This situation is so similar to a yeah. gig that I work out on uh, Monday. Uh, there's this biker gang that comes in that um, they're banned as... Uh, it, it, basically, if they wear their, their biker cuts, which uh, a cut is your uh, vest that's got your gang affiliation on it. It's called a cut. If they wear their cuts in the bar, they're not allowed in. But if they come in not wearing their cuts, they're fine. But I guess they just don't want to have anything to do with us, which is fucking fine by me. Like uh, The lesser of them that are in there, the better. Because when they're in there, on Monday especially, when it's not that busy, like it really does feel like they kind of control the joint and can just kind of do whatever they want. And... um that mainly can- well, that doesn't sound safe. <laughs> no, it doesn't, and I don't fucking feel safe there when they're when they're there, you know. And I'm pissed that like the owner keeps like going back and forth on like because he wants their money, you know, from them mm-hmm. doing you know business there. But um, you know, inevitably they start some shit like that bar fight, you know. Even though yeah. I don't think it was a member of their gang, it's the people that are affiliated with them, their satellite people that hover around them. 
those are the ones who are always trying to like impress the gang by doing stupid shit like yeah. that. And God, the amount of fucking cocaine they do in the bathroom there. It's fucking annoying. It's like, geez, we should just take uh, the bathrooms out, uh, you know, because it's getting in the way of the cocaine room, you know, like let's put the bathroom <laughs> somewhere else because it's like every time you go in the bathroom and this particular gang is there, it's like either A, somebody will be standing at the door blocking you from even getting in, which is like insane to me because it's like, what if what if a cop kicks in the door? Like, what are you going to do? I mean, you know, like, I just, that's how, like, little fear they have of anything happening to them. Or B, you'll walk in and they'll all, they'll, you'll see, like, four dudes in, in the stall because there's only one stall in the men's bathroom. And it's like, yeah, gee whiz, I wonder what they're doing in there, you know? It's just so, it's insane. I mean, so I, I, I <laughs> like, I get how gangs can kind of in be, yeah. you know cause intimidation but if and all it's that. a if it's a small town even if it's like 50 people versus 15 why don't they all just team up and beat their ass like really <laughs> i mean well i mean because you outnumber them so i mean why don't they just band together and perform some mob justice and take control of their town well think about take it it's like town. kind of a similar thought to like when one gunman goes into a store i mean no yeah. you know no one if everyone just bum rushed him at once he he wouldn't have a chance but it never goes down like that because no, no intimidation one, no one wants to be the first one to you know maybe be on the front lines you know and get hit you know yeah. and it's kind of that similar thing i guess with this but um anyway almost immediately hamrick and his family har- were harassed myrtle hamrick knew that uh, there was not much her husband could do they just did anything that they could do to aggravate him when they knew he was home. He would get fed up and take off after them. And the reenactments in this segment. <laughs> oh boy, man. The gang. These are corny. <laughs> the gang themselves. I, I just, that's, that's the main reason I wanted to cover this segment was just the, the horrific acting of the. Uh, they should call them the corny, you know, the Corn Creek gang because they're just so cornball cheesy these are like these guys are about as intimidating as bulk and scully were off power rangers <laughs> bulk and skull <laughs> yeah. yeah like they, they it was just that that slapstick like you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> get him boss yeah <laughs> yeah what he said yeah <laughs> you know just that kind of like goofy cartoony style of uh if like beavis and butthead had a, a gang <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go to his house. <laughs> call him. Call him. Bug him. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be cool. <laughs> what well, annoyed Chief Athlic? <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the, the acting was brilliant uh, in the sense that it was uh, awful. Um, I mean, it was yeah, it was as bad as PG as you could get. But I mean, you know, what do you? They came do? across like the gang from Greece. Like you half expected them to start breaking out. Snapping their fingers in time with one another, (laughs) just fucking doing the combs through their hair. Oh, man. Doo-wop. Anyway, um, five months after he was sworn in, Chief Hammock investigated an abandoned building on the edge of town. Inside, he found an expensive sports car that had been stolen. Police officer Gary Martin assisted in the investigation. We came across it, fingerprinted it, and we bugged the building because we didn't know who was there. We put a radio in our car and just drove around and listened until the guys came back. Bob was hiding in the office, and when they showed up, we jumped out and busted them. The suspects were believed to be members of the Rock Creek gang. They were arrested and released on bail. Soon after, the threatening calls began. One day, Myrtle Hamrick answered the phone. There was a man on the other end, and he said, Tell your husband to leave things alone and get out of town, or he's going to be hurt, and he's going to be hurt bad. I don't I don't understand that phrase. We're going to hurt him, hurt him bad. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a, a southern thing, but we down here, yeah. we just say we're going to beat your ass or whoop your ass or fuck you up. Like, we don't say we're going to hurt you. We're going to hurt you bad like that. That to me, I think of like them, like coming up and pinching you really hard. Like, ow, that hurt. <laughs> Or just uh, embarrassing him with wet willies or swirlies or like, or shit. like yeah, getting to know him, you know, forming a relationship with him, 
discussing like a future date to meet up at like a, a ice cream parlor and then standing him up. You know, that would hurt him. <laughs> that would hurt him pretty bad. But on, on an emotional level, you know, which could arguably be as bad as a physical level. One month later, on March 10th, 1970, during a routine patrol, Chief Hamrick called in to report that he was in pursuit of a car heading west out of town. An hour and a half passed with no further radio contact. Finally, the dispatcher requested that deputies try to find the missing chief. Four hours later, Hamrick's patrol car was located on an isolated road. It had hit a tree. Hamrick was semi-conscious and barely alive. Former Ashtabula County Deputy Chief Dennis Chapman was first on the scene. He had head and facial injuries. I was surprised to find him moving when I got there. And then my next thing was to keep him from moving so that he wouldn't do further injury to himself. Blood covered the the backseat of the car. Hamrick's service revolver and nightstick were missing, and the car's ignition and lights were switched to the off position. Uh, County Sheriff William R. Johnson suspected foul play. Oh, no shit. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Jesus. This guy, no wonder he made county sheriff with that kind of uh, uh, deducing ability. (laughs) I still don't believe to this day that all the injuries that Bob received were the result of that car accident. (laughs) Who would? (laughs) Oh, man. I still don't believe to this day that John F. Kennedy is alive. I don't know. I just, something tells me that when his head got turned into spaghetti, I just don't think he's alive anymore. I'm a very intelligent guy. Six hours after the crash, the car that Hamrick had been chasing was found at a nearby gas station. It was splattered with mud and had a damaged tire. The owner of the car said that when she dropped the car off for repairs the previous day, it was in good condition. Oh, and by the way, uh, the officer's death was ruled accidental, officially, as a result of a vehicular pursuit. Like, I'm just wondering, like, how the fuck did that even happen? Like, even in a small town... Like, like, how was this ruled accidental? Like, nothing about this really seems like it was an accident. I mean, his service revolver and nightstick were missing from the car. Why would they be missing if it was an accident? The car's ignition and lights were switched to the off position. Why would that happen? And one of the it, it station, just, the gas station employees that was, um, you know, working on that car or whatever, he was a member of the Rock Creek gang. Yeah. And uh, once again, Sheriff um, Captain Obvious here uh, said, uh, knowing that he hung around the Rock Creek area and that I had trouble with him in the past, I felt that he was directly involved talking about the guy at the. Uh, well, you think. Yeah, yeah, you think so, officer? One local woman who wished to remain anonymous claimed that she overheard members of the gang bragging that they had murdered Chief Hamrick. They were saying, we killed us a cop and we got away with it. And they proceeded to tell how they killed him and how they beat him in the head and how they had it all planned. They set him up, getting him down here on this dirt road, and they took his billy club and they started hitting him with it. They put him back into his car, and then they left him there, left him to die. I knew in my heart they w- were never going to get caught. Chief Hamrick's daughter, Brenda Hamrick Lewis, still believes the uh, people who killed her father can be caught. There is evidence, and people uh, there is evidence, and people just have ignored that evidence, and they've ignored the circumstances at the time and what was going on in the village at the time. I just hope that we find out what actually happened. And if we find out who's responsible, that they pay for what they did. They took my father from me, and I think it's time they got something taken from them. That didn't happen, though. And then They um, never actually did get caught. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, again, small-town justice, I guess. It and it's an, old, it's an old case, so that's the other reason. I'm wondering whether or not someone in that gang was actually the son of somebody in a in a police department somewhere. And that's why it was so easily uh, set up to the way that it was just a accident when it comes to Hamrick's death. They actually because had one why guy, else would they do that? They had one guy at the end of the interview that they don't put here or whatever. Um, okay. He was talking about like how he's like, you know, I'll, I, I still continue to look into this case and I won't stop. And he's like, uh, he's like, the sad thing is, is uh, I know, uh, I, who, you know, the person who did it is probably someone that I consider a friend, you know, like it's probably someone I know yeah. and consider a friend. And, 
and they're a murderer and I don't even know about it because, you know, it's such a small town and all. Yeah. Uh, apparently <laughs> on uh, the official website of the Ohio Attorney General, uh, the listing for his death has been changed. It's been changed to unsolved homicide. So I guess that's a step forward in some kind of direction, but uh, it, it just seems like it's just going to remain an unsolved murder. It was a long-ass time ago, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was an interesting, interesting case to talk about. I don't think it's, I don't think it's ever going to get solved. No, no. I mean, this is before DNA evidence. This is before, you know, this was kind of like... This is, this is like back in the times where like you could basically just point the finger at someone and say he did it officer and they just are you know it was like especially if if that person fits the parameters of someone who they deem to be uh problematic mm-hmm. or a troublemaker someone they just already don't like yeah yeah more convenient yeah um yeah, so think- it's like it's a, there's like a comment here from somebody who was talking about Rock Creek. It was like I nearly fell out of my chair when I watched this episode. Well, wow, that's 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 a pretty extreme reaction. Rock Creek is a super small town, and Calendar Road is in the middle of nowhere with hardly a house on it to this day. I worked at a kids camp that was on that road many summers. I actually talked to my old director, and he said the Unsolved Mysteries crew stayed at our camp while filming this. As far as evidence, all I know is my friend who was a camp director's son works in the area. He asked a Rock Creek fellow if he knew anything about the case. The man simply replied, more than I could ever talk about. Wow. There was definitely a cover-up. Well, that means that, uh, what, someone in the department is uh, in on it? Possibly. Uh, or someone's uh, someone's uh, information. This is their assumption. Like, so one of the game members' mother, uh, she 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 was the mayor at the time this all happened. Like, if that's true, that's another big thing that could lead to the cover up. Like, if that actually is true and accurate. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's that case. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I guess. Uh, aside from this podcast being super short, it's kind of special in another way because we have now entered the final entry of the perks of being a Josh Flower. This is the what? last, the last one, man. I'm searching through my documents here, and um, yeah, you know, as I got older and started getting a, a life, uh, a lot of the issues that I had of you know girls not liking me and no friends and no band and being bored, stuck in my house. A lot of those issues kind of resolved themselves. I got a car, I made friends, I got in bands, I started getting laid. So I didn't really feel a need to type in the journal anymore. And so mm-hmm. I think by 2012, I might have even been living on my own with uh, Trey, my friend Trey. Um, and I think I just did one last kind of um, ceremonial like entry into the journal just to for, for posterity's sake. But yeah... Uh, this is the last perk of being a Josh Flower. It was uh, quite a a run, and uh, I had to relive some shit that I forgot about, mostly negative. <laughs> it wasn't much positive. I'd say the only positive thing that came from the Josh Flower Diaries for me was um, reconnecting with Lisa and uh, thanking her for being such a cool friend at that time. Uh-huh. And then I got a fucking gig out of it. I ended up doing her wedding for, because I, I reached out to her and all that. I think the other positive is just the the way that it, in a lot of ways, became like a therapy session. So I think I think that was also probably a positive for you too, in terms of dealing with and sort of facing some of the feelings and and stuff like that that were dug up or brought up from it was yeah you know these. It these was, uh, diaries. It was just nice to um, just see how far I've come as a yeah. human being, how far I've to grown. To get the perspective. Shit. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's cool. But to to see that, I have to regress and see who I was. And that wasn't always fun to see, like, how I would react to things, how I was just so uh-huh. overdramatic, how I had no perspective, uh, no gratitude, 
um, just completely narcissistic in my own head. I was the only person that mattered. So anyway, here's the last Josh Flower update. Don't know what I'm going to say. Haven't read it yet. But if it's anything that offends you, sorry. This was me almost 10 years ago. So uh, my, my opinions have probably changed since then. So here goes. This one's titled, I thought I would be singing, but I'm tired out of breath. Well, what has been going on lately? I'm in this band called Victor. Party for Three is over. Our singer flaked out, and honestly, we weren't that great to begin with. I mean, musically, we, meaning myself and Trey, the drummer, were the shit and had a lot of potential, but we lacked professionalism. What do I mean by professionalism? I mean being at point A on time, having a good attitude, and willing to contribute financially to whatever we need to do. Uh, So, party for three is over. So what? What have I been going through since that? Well, my music boner kind of died, to be honest. Don't get me wrong, I still live and breathe music, but there's something in the way. There's something in the way of everything right now. What is that, you may ask? Anxiety! Me going crazy! Yeah, you like that? It's, it's, um, it's true. My anxiety is just clouding my mind. I feel my only opinion on anything lately is just, eh, whatever, I don't care. That's pretty much how I feel about everything. So during the hiatus slash breakup of Party for Three, I got into a relationship with Sabrina. I won't say her last name uh, because this she doesn't care for me these days. Uh, We used to date. uh, She used to date our drummer in Party for Three, and I was always crushing on her big time. And now, like anyone else, I got on my mind. I somehow am able to get their attention. She's great. We've already dropped the love word after about three months of being together. But I don't care. I do love her. She is a virgin still and is reluctant to have sex, which is really the only issue I have with the whole situation. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, prisoners are in jail for tens of years and never have sex and they live. Sex isn't uh, a necessity like food or water, regardless of how it may feel sometimes. But I didn't come here to talk about that. So, Victor, crazy shit, man. I feel like the first time I began my musical career, I'm this close to, quote, making it. And now that I'm standing at the precipice of being somebody in a successful band and a nobody who enjoys anonymity and routine, I gotta say, I'm a little freaked out. And a part of me feels like I don't want this, honestly. And I feel like the reason why I don't want it is because my heart is not in this music. First off, I have had nothing to do with the writing process of any of these songs. This band is all Brandon Flores and Timmy Baton as far as music and lyrics go. I don't dig that. And we've had so much shit going on, there hasn't been time to write. But hopefully that'll change soon. We played Rockville a few days ago, and we got to play main stage. And you'd think I'd be super stoked about that, right? Well, I wasn't. It was okay. Maybe I'm too jaded or depressed, or maybe I just don't want to do this band deep down in my heart. Yeah, Josh, that's the correct answer. You don't want to do the band deep down in your heart. But whatever the reason, I'm getting kind of bummed out about the whole situation. Not saying I want to quit by any means, but I just wish some gusto would get summoned up in my soul and make me start giving more of a fuck. I can already see this whole situation turn into a corporate conglomerate bullshit entity where you're replaceable and worth very little. What's even more confusing is our fearless leader, Brandon, keeps pumping my head full of how great I am and how amazing I am and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but... Didn't you just kick me out not two months ago for no apparent reason? Now, how am I going to feel about any of this? How am I going to feel good about any of this when I see how easily replaced I am? Just a little backstory. After I joined this band like four months ago, I got kicked out after the first two months at random because Brandon wanted the original guitarist and drummer back in the band. But I held on and convinced him to keep me in the band as a second guitar player, keyboardist, and he agreed only if everyone else in the band agreed too. Well, the returning original guitar player, Timmy, did not want a, a sixth member, but to my surprise, instead of kicking me out, they wanted to kick out our bassist and DJ. So Brandon realized the returning members didn't actually want, want to be back in the band creatively. They just wanted to come in and take control regardless of what the casualty count was. 
So I don't know what to do. Maybe I should just hold on regardless of how I'm feeling at the moment. Uh, because I've learned in the past, feelings are very passing and discountable. They aren't real. They have no bearing on reality and abandon uh-huh. you, and they abandon you constantly. So I'm just going to chug along because honestly, at the end of the day, I love music regardless of what the flavor may be. But God damn it, this lack of sleep is, go- is getting fucking old fast. Okay, enough procrastinating on my math homework. I'm out. <laughs> it's fitting that the last post ends with, you know, I'm out. And even has some of the same kind of hair flip energy. Uh huh. <laughs> well, uh, uh, feelings aren't real. <laughs> oh, I was a scrapping, uh, strapping young twenty-three-year-old or twenty-two-year-old at that time. So you know, I was in the the early nine of my uh, music career. Not like now, where I'm in the back nine. Um, yeah, that band Victor. We we uh, won this battle of the band. Sorry, excuse me, just kind of burped out of nowhere there. Um, <laughs> we won this Battle of the Bands competition. And we got to play this rock festival main stage and all that. And um, to be honest, uh, Brandon scammed uh, our way. Uh, he scammed the concert. He basically like bought bought our way into winning that competition that that sucks like how did you feel when you found out oh at the time i didn't care i was like by whatever means necessary motherfuckers like he had he was even he was even dealing with these like sketchy lawyer type people and Mm. so one of the fucked up um kind of um rubrics that they judged you on for the battle of band was how many ticket sales you were able to do it wasn't how many people you brought in the door. It was how many tickets were you able to sell. That counted towards your, your final score. And then, mm-hmm. of course, your performance on stage and your songwriting and all that crap. But because the other bands didn't, you know, they, they did it the right way and they just, they didn't try to, like, scam their way. They just, they brought however many people they brought. What we did, or what Brandon did, is he bought, like, $400 worth of tickets so that immediately put us ahead of everyone else because that was like <laughs> sure. the that was like the equivalent of like 40 or 50 people showing up. So we stacked the deck. Yeah, he stacked the deck and and that's how we won. I think both times it was uh it was bullshit, but you know, like I said, it's yeah. like hey, you got to in, in in retrospect like how does that make you feel? Like now, in retrospect, knowing about the grind and everything, and all and everything that you put into your band today. In retrospect, it I I, I see it for what it is. It it was a way yeah. for um, these local venues to make money off of people's desperation, because really the grand prize of getting an opening spot on the main stage at Rockville, that's not really anything, and. And the promoters and the organizers, they know that. Because the opening spot starts at 11 a.m. in the fucking morning. Yeah. And you get like a a 30-minute set. Now, granted, yes, there were those super eager people who wanted to be at from the start of the rock festival till the very end. They want to see every fucking band. So, yeah, we had maybe like 100 people out there in the field, you know, like. (laughs) So, but I mean, yeah, it was, uh, it was. what all the work that we put in for that i mean it's cool to be able to say that i did it i was on that main stage that all the other uh bands that evening were on like corn and evanescence and all that shit but um yeah i mean it was it was more of a reflection on the corruption of um those contests because it shouldn't have i mean it should have been plainly apparent when we sold Four hundred dollars worth of tickets, and we had a like ten people show up. That it was bullshit. Like yeah. we bought our way in. But they 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 don't care. They don't care about they that. They still get the money, and they realize that they can easily manipulate bands like like you. Well, they're not. So, th- these people who run this shit, they're not in it for the art. They're in no. it for the money. Mm-hmm. A band, uh, like, 
one of the bands in the competition could have been like the next Led Zeppelin. And, and if they didn't sell enough tickets, it wouldn't have mattered. They still wouldn't have won. You know, that's just how these people are. So yeah, it's more of a reflection on the system. So whenever I see that some band is playing like like I'm going to Rockville Sunday in uh, Daytona because um, I want to see uh, Mudvayne, Leonard Skinner and Metallica. They're going to be playing. But uh, there's going to be bands that we've played with that are playing the uh, the, the local artist. They're calling it the Twitch stage. Um they're going to be bands that... that, that they're going to be live on Twitch? I don't know how they're doing that. but <laughs> um, Yeah, they're going to be bands that we've played with that we know that are going to be doing those that local stage. But that local stage is bullshit. I mean, if you go to a big rock festival with all these marquee names, like yeah. national and global acts like Metallica and shit, and you know, as the list gets smaller, there's still bands that are huge in their own right. Why in the fuck would you go to the local stage? Like, you could see local bands any day of the... And in fact, I think it's stupid that these festivals even have a local stage. Because it's like, you know that these people can see these bands anytime in their hometown. You know, they're there, they're here to see the headliners, the nationals that they can't see just any old time. The reason you're doing the local stage is so you can hustle all these bands to do whatever the fuck they make them do, they're, they're fucking pawns. They're tools. Yeah. You know, I think this... Have sh- they asked you to do local stage stuff? They're not going like, to no. not, They're not gonna ask us. They're not going to ask uh. us until we get signed by a major label and the label, like, works... A d- See, a lot of these bands, the only reason that they're on the bill is they have a deal with, like, Danny Wimmer, the guy who owns all these uh, Rock on the Ridge and Rock... Rock, Rocklahoma and welcome to Rockville. Uh, so like he'll have like these, these backdoor deals with these major labels where it's like, okay, um, you know, we'll give you Metallica, but you also have to put three of our smaller artists on the bill mm-hmm. as well. And that's how they get on the bill that these festivals are never just going to call you and be like, Hey, I heard dancing with ghosts is killing it in Jacksonville, Florida. Do you guys want to, uh, play uh, on you know in the main lineup on uh, you know on our main stage. They're never going to do that. It's just it's just not how business works with with those mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, it's it, you know you ha- it's all in who you know. If you know if you know the right people, then um, you'll get into those situations. And then also um, another scenario that could play out is um, like a lot of these TikTokers and people on on YouTube who are making it on their own independently. And they've got millions of subscribers and millions of plays, and they've just done it all on their own. They they're generating their own money. They don't need record labels, but they uh, will attract um, these A and R guys like like fucking flies to shit because these A and R guys see like there's gold in them their hills, and I can stick my finger in that honey pot. Um, so. If you're uh, Lil Nas X and you have like the highest charting song, you know, of, of all time with Old Town Road or whatever, I'm not saying it's the highest of all time, but just for the shits, shits and giggles here. Um, and you're completely independent. Oh, you got people beating down your fucking door. So basically, as soon as everyone get, starts giving a shit about you, then all of a sudden these festival people give a shit about you. But where we're at right now. We have a small, homegrown, you know, grassroots fan base, um, and not a lot of people care about that. Like as far it's as similar the to go. YouTube, it's similar to both our YouTube channels to you know, provide a segue, a transition. You know, homegrown. You know, we've got an audience, but like compared to the bigger YouTubers, like the bigger bands, it's it's really not. Not much. We might as well be on a local YouTube stage. Right. I'm not even, yeah, I'm not even at 10K subs. I mean, I don't even have a modicum of respect from anyone in the bigger leagues than me. Uh, I, dude, I once I once dated this, well, I didn't date, but we kind of like, you know, hung out a few times and hooked up and uh-huh. all. Uh, this this uh, chick who was a YouTuber herself, and she had like over 100,000 subscribers. Oh, and I'm not gonna lie, man. It was kind of like a like a a, a piss. No, it wasn't a pissing contest, but like I, I I felt like 
she had like a bigger, uh, bigger YouTube dick energy than me. And it was, <laughs> it, it did kind of stick in my craw a little bit. Cause I'm like, you know, usually most people I meet, I'm, I have more going for me in the, uh, public, public figure realm than they do. So that's always a, some, you know, cringy chip I carry on my shoulder. Like, well, I'm in a band and I have a YouTube channel and a podcast. <laughs> Look at me. Um, but then I met her and it's like, yeah, bitch, my channel is literally uh, 10 times bigger than yours, and uh, I actually make my living off of just doing this. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it, you know she does, like, cosmetics <laughs> and shit, so it's like, I feel like there's only so far you can go with that, with how competitive that, that like, sub-genre of it YouTube is. It just depends, and, you know, depends on your personality and, and how good, are, good you are at doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, she still comes out to my shows and shit. Um, oh. I mean, she, I, 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 like, ask her for advice every now and then with, like, YouTube videos and stuff. Like, yeah. I've, I've meant to... I tried to do a collaboration with her, but I'm just fucking... I don't have the time, man. I'm lazy, too. <laughs> if we had another pandemic and I was locked down for another, like, three months, then I would totally do something like that. But, um, yeah. All right. I've, I am probably going to be late to my gig, so let's wrap this shit up. Um, you can find us on Patreon if you want to donate to the podcast, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. You can find us on Facebook by, uh, join our Facebook group. Um, go to the group section on Facebook, type in uncovering unexplained mysteries. It's an awesome group. And me and Mike, we're both on YouTube, but we produce separate content that has nothing to do with unsolved mysteries. If you want to go to Mike's channel, he's a movie guy, talks a lot about movies. It's youtube.com slash O-C- P communications uh quickly mike what was the last video you did last uh video i did is a review and rant on a film from my childhood called the giver the one where mark hamill turns into uh, a giant bug at the end wow. yeah that one <laughs> that sounds like a winner um all right my channel is called is a uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts um dancing with ghosts not dances with ghosts or Dancing with Wolves. <laughs> um, I cover a lot of music-related stuff, um, and my band's music is on there, and that's the last video I released as our new song, Stainless Static, which I'll probably insert some annoying promo for that into this particular episode. So if you want to check out my latest music video, Mike, Mike gave it two thumbs up. Um, he gave it three and a half jelly donuts, and... Uh, <laughs> Four and a half uh, buckets of popcorn, which are all, I've been told, really good ratings according to his rating system. Anyway, uh, I've got to go host karaoke, so send me a prayer in your heart. Uh, Until next time, (laughs) have a good night. See ya. Singing your neck, I want to feel your fire. Make it-